This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, as Joe Morris so affectionately always has a way of saying, how many of you are glad that you're not in jail and you're here tonight, huh? Praise God. You know, it has its advantages, hallelujah. So, uh, but we're delighted you can be with us this evening, praise God. Again, it's my privilege to be able to stand before you and communicate the word to you. And I'm so glad for everything that God's put on our hearts in the last 40-some years now. And, uh, and the, again, the privilege, the honor, really, to be able to share some of those things with you. Praise God. You know, it's such a wonderful thing because when Jesus was here in his earthly ministry, um, he made the statement that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy but I came, everybody say, thank you, Lord. I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Glory to God. So Jesus wants us to have an abundant life. That's why he bled and died and went to the cross and was raised from the dead so that we could live a life that's honorable to him, pleasing to him, and at the same time, be blessed and rewarded as a result of our obedience. Amen? Praise God. Reward, I mean, always comes with obedience. Always. Now, it may not be immediate, but I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's going to show up. So how many of you just want to obey God? Amen? Praise God. As long as we're doing that, I think we'll be in good shape, and God will get the glory. Let's open our Bibles again to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you can find that opening in your Bibles. We're going to continue along the line of what we uh, were sharing with you last week. We really didn't get finished. I don't know that you ever get finished. But we're talking about the life of faith. Hallelujah. I am so glad. I mean, you know, the track that our lives, when I say ours, I'm talking about my wife and I, Joan, the track that our lives took... um, I, I just cannot thank God enough for what it is that how he led us, if that's the right word to use, I'm, I'm sure unconsciously <laughs> a lot, you know, but I'm so thankful for our heritage of faith because faith is what changes everything. Faith can change your world. It's like one minister once said, the late uh, Fred Price, he said that faith is the key that unlocks the door or treasure chest of heaven. And um, the Bible tells us that all of us have been given or dealt a measure or the measure of faith. So thank God we do have faith. I mean, the devil might tell you, you know, that you don't, or maybe you don't think you do, but the reality is, is we all have faith if we're born of the Spirit of God. It may be undeveloped. It may not mount much. It could be weak. You know, it could be, you know, uh, little, however you want to describe it, but thank God we're on our way towards great faith. Amen? You know, Paul, or uh, Jesus uh commended the centurion who was a Roman. He was a proselyte to the Jewish religion. He wasn't even a, uh, really a Jew in the strictest sense of the word. But he said, I've, I haven't found such great faith, no, no place in Israel. No one has, has demonstrated the kind of faith this guy right here just gave, you know, showed me. And of course, what he, the, the important thing about that whole scenario, uh, and I'm, this is just your appetizer, okay? This is not what we're talking about, it's generalized. You know, they, you know, I want to make sure that each, you know, entree and, and you know, the dessert and the, the, the ever, you know, that they all complement your palate, you know, so we're kind of in the same realm there. But the, the outstanding thing about the Roman centurion is, and this is, un, it's important for you to realize this, he understood authority. So you need to understand authority. You need to understand that you're under the lordship of Jesus Christ and the devil is under your feet. Are you listening to me? You've been given authority in this earthborn existence that we have. A lot of people don't even, I mean, there are a lot of churches that don't even teach about the authority of the believer, but it's, it's a game changer. Because then you won't roll over and play dead every time something, you know, comes along in your life, you know, that's contradictory or, or inconsistent with the will of God, but you'll take your stand. You know, the Bible talks about having done all to stand, stand therefore. 
How many of you know God wants you to be, you know, steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, and to stand? But a lot of folk, again, they don't know that. Well, the centurion understood authority. And he said, I'm not even worthy. Talk about the honor that he gave to Jesus. I'm not even worthy, you know, for you to come under my roof. He said, you just speak the word. And my sermon, and I mean, it, it was, it was uh, outstanding. It was epic, you know. And Jesus said, look, look, look at this. And he said, as you have said, so be it. And his servant was healed. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So faith is... Uh, it's an important subject. And people say, well, you know, is that all you ever talk about? Well, it's, it's a good place to land. You know, I, I think it'll probably help you, you know, uh, one way or another. And so we're talking about it. Uh, at least um, we're making an attempt to talk about it in a uh, uh, applicable, practical kind of application within your life. How can I take this thing called faith or my faith and make it work? where my life is concerned. And that's a legitimate question, amen? And so that's what we're talking about and that's what we're gonna uh, discuss. So let's pray together and then we'll get into what I wanna share with you this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together here as we break the bread of life, as we have the privilege, Lord, of being able to, well, just sit at your feet and to hear your word. And God, I ask you to help each and every one of us to, to really uh, focus in on what it is that you're saying to us, Father. We need your word so desperately because it is truth and the truth sets people free. So we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the anointing on your word. And we thank you, Father God, for the anointing of what it is that has to be said here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice this one scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. The Apostle Paul said, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. And that's so important for us to understand. When he said we walk by faith, he uses the word walk in a figurative kind of way. In other words, when he says we walk by faith, what does that mean? It means to pursue a particular course of action. So when, when he's saying we walk by faith, he's, he's again speaking figuratively about, again, our conduct, our, our way of life, our behavior, uh, again, the pursuit of a particular course of action or way of life when we walk by faith. Now we used another scripture in Romans chapter 1 and 17, where it says, <clears throat> excuse me, the just shall live by faith. So in this scripture, as our text, it says we walk by faith. And in Romans chapter 1, 17, and actually Galatians 3, 11, and a couple other places, it says that the just, those who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, shall live by faith. So when you talk about living by faith, we're talking about a lifestyle, a way in which we live. When my wife and I were born again at 18, 19 years old, we began this walk of faith. And what that simply meant was, as we discovered the will of God through the Bible, we began to appropriate or apply his word to our lives and it changed the way we lived. It changed the way we think. It changed the way that we acted because his word is an instruction manual for life, to live. And what's interesting about that, and we talk about you know uh, living by faith as a lifestyle or way of living or way of life, you know, there's, there, you guys, there are gobs of people that say, well, you know, I, I, I believe in God. I have faith. Well, what does that mean? Okay. I believe in God. What does that mean? You know, uh, I believe he exists or where are we at here? Are you listening to me? In other words, my point is, is that when we talk about being a person of faith, it is so much more than just his existence. And yet a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, you know. And, and, and so, again, by, I'm just asking the important question, what does that mean? You just profess 
that you're a Christian and that you have faith, but it has no application to your life. There's, there's nothing, you know, that's actually, I mean, you just do what it is you do and you've just decided, well, this is what I believe. I believe as, you know, some people say, well, I'm a new ager or somebody will say, you know, some other thing, you know, or whatever. They got all kinds of different ideas. But what I'm talking to you about is a living faith. A faith that that impacts your life in a supernatural kind of way. And of course, because of that, God gets the glory. So it's not just I believe in God or that there is a God, because all you're really saying is, is, well, you know, I believe he exists. Well, you know, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and, everybody say and, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you can believe that he exists, and that's good. Thank God, you know, it's one step, but there's a whole lot more to it than just that. Those that diligently seek him. What does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to diligently seek God? Well, I think it's pretty simple when we think about it is, is that, you know, when, when we diligently seek him, we're looking into the word of God. We're looking in the Bible and saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to think? How do you want me to behave? What is it that I need to do in order to obey you? So it's just much, it's much more than just some blanket kind of statement, you know, some panacea, you know, where we're just kind of, you know, coasting through life and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I believe in God. Well... If you really are a believer, then praise God, it's going to have a whole lot more definition to that to it than that. Can you, you agree with me? Like, for example, we could talk about the fact that, you know, faith in our conduct. I mentioned to you about Jonah and I. We got to say, man, I mean, it changed everything. We... Uh, not only did we stop doing or living the way that we used to live, we didn't do it because of duty. We did it because something that had changed in our heart. He'd given us his nature and his life. And we didn't want to do the things that we, you know, that the world is doing. There was no appeal to those things whatsoever. And so all of these things started to change within our lives. You know, how many of you know the Bible says that we're not to be immoral? You know, the Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost and that you're to glorify God in your body. So um, immediately, immorality needs to leave. Am I in the right house? If you're going to obey God and you're going to be a person of faith, then you can't live immorally. But you've got to also understand that you're living in a society and culture right now that is neck deep in immorality. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what has happened in even the last three to five years and how this whole thing is being pushed. Well, the, the fact of the matter is immorality will destroy your life, absolutely destroy it. And yet there are people out there that are espousing to all different kinds of things. And we could look at scriptures, but even like corrupt speech, we're talking about faith in the context of, you know, in our conduct, what we do. So we put it away. And then we find out the Bible says that we're to let no corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. So in other words, we begin to put a watch or a guard over our mouth and we don't say everything we think. Are you with me? We think a lot of things. Huh? Don't look at me in that total voice, man. You're a human being. I know all about you because I is one. But you don't always say everything that you think. At least I hope you don't. How many of you have ever said things you regret? Oh, I wish I could get that back. But once it's out there, it's gone. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs 4 and 24 out of the New Living Translation, avoid all perverse talk. And then it goes on to say, stay away from corrupt speech. You turn on television, dude, and it is corrupt. It is immoral. You know, you know, viewers' discretion is advised. There was a series uh, that I thought would be a, you know, something good to to watch, and so I watched the first episode. And I'm telling you guys, I could not believe what my eyes and my ears were hearing. 
And I thought, this is vile. This is corrupt. And it's probably one of the most popular series on television right now. And people are eating it up. But I'm telling you what, it's from hell. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Amen. Now, another uh, translation, uh, the English Standard Version says this, put away from you crooked speech and put all devious talk far from you. Hallelujah. You know, so we're talking about faith in our conduct, what it is that we're supposed to do. I don't know about you, you guys, but I want to be blessed. So I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to act right. I want to behave right. I want to talk right. Huh? So when the Bible says, you know, as, as um, dearly beloved uh, children of God, the Bible says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Now, the Bible describes what real love is. There's a lot of stuff out there, you know, that people give definition to love it, and, and it's not what we're talking about at all. But you understand that if I, if I want to uh, succeed, if I want to have God's best, then I got to walk in love. Amen? I can't return evil for evil. Huh? Now, even though we'd like to, again, just keep smiling. But the fact of the matter is sometimes we like to uh, take care of things. But the reality is, is vengeance belongs to him. There's stuff that I see, you know, and stuff that's going on in the world right now, man. I, I mean, you know, it's not good. But I always have to come back to the simple fact, God, when people sow to the wind, they're going to reap the whirlwind. And don't you ever forget it because they will. You say, yeah, but I wish it happened sooner. Well, that's because you're not God. And thank God for his grace. I mean, it is amazing, the grace of God, and how wonderful it is uh, for each and every one of us. So, so there's faith in, in our conduct, the way we act or behave and what it is that we do. And there's also a thing that I would refer to as having faith in the known will of God. So in other words, you know, when he said, I came that you might have life and life more abundant, when my wife and I first got saved, we were living in the world, we didn't have life and life more abundant. But we got born again. And then his, his indwelling presence came to make its home in our heart. And he began to change the way that we thought, the way that we believed, the way that we uh, um, um, lived. And all of a sudden, our lives begin to change. And we started going up instead of down. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Now, it didn't happen all at once. It was a process. But God started making good on his word and changing our lives in every aspect of our life, anything that we could find in the word of God. Hallelujah. So we're talking about faith in the known will of God again for example, in the text that we use in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And, and Paul, in context, was talking about, you know, uh, uh, gaining or, or, or having an immortal body. Well, we don't have an immortal body right now. It's pretty mortal. Huh? You know, about every morning you get up, you go, oh, yeah, it's there all right. And it's got something to say. But he said that we're going to, this corruption is going to put on incorruption. Why? Because it's the will of God, right? And so, <clears throat> don't rush yourself here, but I'm just saying that, you know, there's an incorruptible body, an immortal body that you and I are going to get. But we have to walk by faith in what God has promised in the known will of God until the time comes that we receive that immortal body. Can you say amen? An old happy day. I'll tell you what, we sang it tonight, but it's going to be a happy day. Amen. And so we can thank God for that. <clears throat> but talking about faith in the known will of God, for example, you know, it's not the will of God for you to live in poverty and lack. You say, well, how do you know that? And a lot of times people argue the point, all you got to do is read the Bible. 
Third John 2 says, Beloved, my desire, my prayer, my wish is above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We have all these Old Testament patriarchs that obeyed God and followed God and God blessed them. I'm talking about from a material standpoint. And you'll, you'll hear it all the time. People will argue the whole point, you know, and, and, and all of this. But I, I don't have time to unpack all of that. I'm just telling you that it's just one, ans- one aspect. I am so glad somebody told me that I didn't have to live in poverty and lack. Amen. You know? And it changed our lives. Amen. And it gave us an opportunity to be a blessing to so many other people, you know. I don't know about you, but being broke and busted is no fun. Huh? It is, it is no fun. It's humiliating is what it is. And you know, well, again, I don't have time to get into that. But it's not the will of God for you to be sick and infirmed. It's not, not the will of God for you to be weak and defeated. It's not the will of God for you to be anxious and afraid or discouraged. You say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because it's in the Bible. But I have to walk by faith in the known will of God, even though I may be tempted to be afraid or be anxious or be discouraged. I have to stand up and say, no, this isn't the will of God for me. Father, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm looking to you and I thank you for the victory that is in Christ Jesus. That's faith. That's faith. All right. And then as he leads or guides us or moves us in certain directions, then praise God, we can come to know the truth. Now, the Bible says, by definition, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You hope for a better marriage. You hope for more finances. You hope for a new home or a car or whatever the case might be. Well, faith is what causes, you know, it's like the lasso. Lasso? Lasso? Yeah, that rope. And what it does, dude, is it goes out there and grabs a hold of whatever it is that you're hoping for and brings it into your life. Faith. Are you with me? And I'm telling you what, it's awesome, beautiful. And it'll, it, it, it has the ability to affect anything. And you're, you know, a lot of times the devil will tell you, well, no, this ain't working or, you know, it'll never change or, you know, it'll never happen or whatever the case might be. Well, all of those words are lies, Are you with me? Because it can happen. Well, you think about the impossible. You know, in all of the different stories that we have in the scriptures, the woman with the issue of blood, she'd suffered for 12 years, spent everything that she had. She's broken, busted. She's got no hope. She's got nothing going on. And she hears of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this thing starts happening. And she said, you know, if I can touch his garment or touch him, I will be made whole. And so with the hand of faith, the woman reached out. She received her healing. Virtue went into her body. And she knew in herself that she'd been healed by the power of God. And so did Jesus. The anointing of God is a tangible kind of thing. He sensed it. She sensed it. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God came on this woman. She was set free in an impossible circumstance are you listening to me so a lot of times you know we you know you might hear the doctor say well there's nothing we can do well thank God there is the great physician that is still practicing glory to God and you can trust him for whatever it is that you need but it takes faith can you say amen everybody say I've got it hallelujah now the the amplified Bible says that faith is the assurance The confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. You know, I I stand up almost every Sunday or any time I'm preaching, I'm saying, Jesus is coming again. Okay, we, we haven't seen him yet. But I'm telling you what, praise God, he's coming again. You say, why do you say that? Because I believe what he said. If I go, I'll come again. Hallelujah. To receive you unto myself so that you can be where I am. Glory to God forevermore. That's what faith does. So it's a proof of things we do not see, the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to what we see or our senses. Now this, you know, when we get into this, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, how do we deal with Or how do we handle our existing circumstances when they are 
against or, or uh, uh, derogatory or, or opposite of the will of God? How do we deal with that? You know, again, because a lot of times the devil will say, well, you're never going to make it. You're never, your life will never be better. You can never do this. You can never do that. He'll, he'll, and if you want to believe that, you can. But I'm telling you what, praise God, I serve a living Christ, and he is my redeemer. And thank God he's redeemed us. Glory to God. So how do you deal with it? Whether it's money, finances, resource, health, economic situations, relational problems, um, maybe even spiritual weakness. Maybe you're living in sin. You say, man, dude, I just can't get out. Well, I'm telling you, you can. Because the Savior, the Master, King Jesus, has set you free. Hallelujah. So when it comes to walking by or living in, uh, by faith, uh, we do so when we walk in the light of what God has promised. Father, you said, hallelujah. You know, if, if I would give diligence to walk in the light of your word, that you would take sickness and disease from the midst of me and the number of my days you would fulfill. You said in your word that with long life you would satisfy me and show me your salvation. Hallelujah. And immediately somebody will come up and say, well, I know somebody and they were really a great Christian and they died. You know, if, if what you're saying is true, then how come? Well, I don't know how come. Okay. It's above my pay grade. I'm just saying that this is what he promised. Are you with me? And the fact of the matter is, is there's all kinds of reasons. We don't know. You know, some of them we do. Thank God for what we do know. But I'm telling you, it doesn't change what it is that I believe. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to understand that when it comes to the walk of faith. I mentioned to you, <laughs> you know, our first year. Here's the thing. You always need to understand when it comes to your life and how God will change it, this is, this is what you need to know. He sends his word. He sends his word and delivers you. Psalm 107 verse 20 said he sent his word and healed them. So God's method to changing your life is that he sends his word to you, to me. Hallelujah. Amen. And when we do that, and when we get into the word and we find out what it is he's promised, uh, <clears throat> a lot of things change. I mentioned to you, for example, you know, the first year that Joan and I were married, um, our um, tax return was $11,028. And uh, so that's, do the math, it's less than a thousand bucks a month. Now, I know it was a long time ago, but not that long ago. You know, you're just getting all jazzed up about that. But anyway, and, and the first month that we were married, we made $12.50 for the month. That's not good. When we started the church, I was working for my brother-in-law in a packing plant, working from 6 till 2.30. And then when I got done with that, I started painting houses. Because when we came back from school, we didn't have anything, you know. And so I went to work. And then um, in uh, November of that same year, the Lord spoke to our hearts about starting the church. So we started the church January the 7th, 1979, and we took off. 34 people showed up. We didn't know if it was just going to be her and I and the people that were hosting or what, but we had 34 people, and then it went to about 50 or 55. We moved to another uh, home in about three months, and we were using the basement, and then we started using all the upstairs for children's church. We were in the bedrooms, the bathrooms, utility rooms, every place, man. It was wild, and it was awesome, okay? So when the church was going, you know, we'd receive offerings, and we didn't have any real form of government as yet. We were just kind of meeting. And so some of the people said, well, you know, you ought to really get something for what it is that you're doing as a pastor. I said, hey, hey, I agree. Hey, I agree. So they said, well, how about if we just give you 30% of whatever comes in? I said, that'd be great. Better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick. You know what I'm saying? And so away we went. We got this, we got this 30% of whatever came in. I don't even remember what the number would have been. It might have been... Six, seven hundred bucks, maybe eight, I don't know. But anyways, we're, we're percolating along, you know. So I'm working the job in the, you know, uh, early morning painting houses and, you know, and getting 30%. So it's getting better. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, in that process, about March, the Lord spoke to my heart 
and he said, I want you to quit your job and go full time. And I said, okay. Had to talk with her first. She's the second Holy Spirit in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but she felt like, you know, uh, that was the right thing to do. So we got up and we announced that we were going to just go full time and, and, and go for it, even though at that point the agreement was 30%. And uh, so what's really beautiful about this story, we're talking about walking by faith. When God tells you to do something, now I'm not talking about something he didn't tell you to do, but if he tells you to do something, you need to obey him. So that's what we did. We got up on a Sunday and we said, you know, we really have it in our heart that we're going to uh, just go full time, put our poor selves into this church. And uh, so um, um, that was on a Sunday. And um, the next week, well, I told my brother-in-law, Phil, I used to work for him. He managed that department in the packing plant. And I told him that we we're going to resign. The next week we went to, we went to work like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, or I don't remember what day it was, went to work and the, and the gates were shut and they were padlocked and they had shut the whole place down. You know, you say, well, what good is that? What's good about it is, is we obeyed God before that happened. He knew that was gonna happen. So we could be in a place of faith of believing him and we didn't have to say, oh my God, what are we gonna do? Are you listening to me? And it was glorious. I mean, we just, we had a big time, you know, and we had to believe God. There were times when it was lean. There was times when there was abundance, but we just kept it going, praise God. Why? Because we trust him. Are you listening to me? And so we just, you know, I use that as a, a practical example, at least in our lives, to where when we heard from heaven, it's just like you, you know, on a Sunday morning, you say, well, it's time to receive the offering. And maybe the, the Holy Ghost will just kind of go boop, and you'll go, uh, yeah, what's up? Well, you know that little bit that you were going to give? Uh, why don't you double that? And you're going, uh, uh, and you have this big fight back there. Nobody else is in it but you and him. Am I in the right house? Yeah. Huh? I, I, we just drove by an, an old place there on uh, 72nd Grover. It used to be a Holiday Inn. Kenneth Copeland was there one night, uh, one day actually. It was in the morning. I went to the service and he's getting ready to receive his offering. He's telling us what he's doing in the ministry and things. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to give $150. I only had $156 in my checking account. Okay. So I'm thinking, it doesn't sound real smart, you know? So I'm arguing, I'm about nine rows back, he's up here talking about the deal, you know, and so on and so forth, and I'm arguing with the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that you should empty your bank account, okay? Please do not interpret what I'm telling you that way because this was just for me. And the reason I say it is, is because that one act of obedience opened up the door for uh, so many things moving forward in our lives where money was concerned. God wants to know if he can trust you. He doesn't want your money. He wants, he wants to know whether you'll trust him. You just gotta pass a test, you know? And so, it was getting down to the wire, baby. And finally, I just got my checkbook out, cut the check and threw it in there. And the devil, I'm telling you what, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a real good time after that. Because all of a sudden I'm thinking, my God, what have you done? Have you ever done that before? You know, are you out of your mind? You know, you go through all these different kinds of things. So you say, well, how did the Lord pay you back? Did you get a hundredfold return? I don't know what that would be, $15,600 or whatever, you know, whatever it was. No, the way he paid me back is he gave me a revelation in my living room about money. When I was reading a book by a guy by the name of Joe Rose on how to uh, achieve your goals by walking with God. And he used Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn to me. I'm meek and lowly of heart and you'll find rest unto your soul for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I read that scripture, something on the inside of me exploded. Now, I believe that that happened as a result of my obedience with 150 bucks, okay? So in that moment, I heard the Lord challenging me in the job I was in about uh, how many, he said, 
pick a number of how many quality leads that you're going to get this week. Now, you got to understand, as in the siding business, if you could get two to three good quality leads a day in seven hours of work, you're doing pretty good. So he said, come on, come on. What do you got? And I said, 70 leads. I'm going to have 70 leads. By the end of this, in one week's time, I'll have 70 leads. Now, that's probably like four times what you would normally get all right? But I said, that's, that's what I'm believing. And, and not only was, it wasn't even like, that's what I'm believing. It was like, I knew that he was going to give this to me. Okay? So we're talking about trusting God in, in all of the areas of our lives. Is this doing anything for you, or am I just banging around here? It's important for you to get a hold of these things. So anyway, I went and told my employer, I said, I'll have 70 quality leads for you by the end of this week. And they said, oh, yeah, they're believers, you know. They go, oh, yeah, great, you bet. They didn't believe me at all, okay? And so, first day, we're, we're, I'm working in Fremont, Nebraska, canvassing that community, and I'm out there, and I'm not kidding you guys, most of the time, if I'd knock on the door, people would go to the back of the house, okay? This time, I'd knock on the door, and, and I wouldn't even get to knock on the door, they'd be waiting for me. Oh, yeah, my wife and my husband and I, you know, we've been talking about it. Yeah, we'd like to, you know, we'd, we'd really like to try, you know, find out what we can do to get our house improved. And so the first day I came back, I had nine of them. Next day, I had 12. The next day, I had 10. I mean, this is awesome. And I'm bringing them in, and, and they're looking, and they're going, are these legit? I said, yeah, they're legit, you know? So by the end of the day, or end of the week, I had 68 leads. They said, well, I thought you said you were going to have 70. Well, I said, 68 is a whole bunch. But what the deal was is I had these, you know, used to be they'd, they'd hang these door uh, knob things on the door, and I'd hang one on every door that nobody answered. Two of those came in after it was, you know, after I was all done. So there's a whole nother segment of that story about God teaching me. But I'm telling you guys, when you obey God and you listen to him and you do what it is he tells you to do, he will bless you coming in and going out. Amen. It's not just in your money. You know, it might be something, you know, where the Lord's speaking to you and said, hey, I want you to go talk to that person. And you go, I don't want to go talk to that person. Now, I know none of you have ever done that before, but he says, I want you to go talk to him. Or he might just say, you know, something to the effect that, you know, I want you just to, uh, um, you know, they told you about this thing, help them out with that. Or do something. I mean, I don't know what it looks like. But listen, all these are, is t they're tests. You know, in other words, do you trust him? Will you believe him? You know, and will you do what it is that he wants you to do? Because I'll guarantee you, when you say yes and you do it, blessing is coming your way. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How many of you can attest to that tonight in your own personal lives? Amen. You know, and that's what faith is. That's, that's just say, you know, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. Praise God. And let's do it. And we could tell you a bunch of other stories besides that, but that's, that's really the way it works. Now, so, you know, it's vitally important when it comes to faith that we got to be doers of the word. Amen. You want the blessing of God, you got to be a doer. Huh? For example, the Bible tells us, you know, to be uh, careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your heart in mind. You know where that's at? That's in, in Philippians, remember? Chapter 6, or chapter 4, verse 6, and through 8. And we're real good about the prayer part. Oh, Lord, I'm anxious, man, and I need to get this straightened out. Well, he said, be careful for nothing. So we got the prayer part all right, but what about the not being anxious part? Huh? You know, when the Bible says to cast all your care onto the Lord because he cares for you, you know, think about it in the form of a suitcase, and this represents your care. And you're going to cast that, that suitcase onto the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. 
Well, the only problem is, is a lot of times we'll take the suitcase, we'll take it over here to the Lord, we'll say, Lord, this, you, you said to cast all, your, all my care on you, here it is. And, and so thank you, Lord, for your blessing. And what we do is for whatever stupid reason, we go ahead and grab it and pull it right back and bring it right back with us. Am I in the right house? So, so, so how does that work in a practical kind of way? Well, the Bible does say for us to pray, you know, let your requests be made known unto God, that, that part of it. But you have to, by faith, cast your care onto him, right? Be anxious for nothing. So, so when you get into the situation, whatever it is, you're concerned about this, that, or the other, and the care comes, the anxiety comes. It comes to all of us. But what you have to do is you have to say, no, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I gave that to him. That's not mine. I don't know how this is going to work out, but Lord, I am so grateful for your blessing in my life, and I am going to trust you. Are you with me? See, so many times people are looking at natural things to change their circumstances, and what God is wanting you to do is to obey his word, to do his word. So you say, no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to entertain that. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, sometimes, praise God, you just got to lift up your hands and worship God until the devil shuts up. Huh? Amen. Or quote the scriptures to him. He loves that. I guarantee you he'll be gone soon. Are you with me? That's what faith is. Now, I believe the Lord, praise God. I'm going to trust him. I don't care if it hair lips the devil. I am going to trust God. Are you with me? I'm not going to look to any other outside source or something. You know, a lot of times we think, you know, that, that people, if people would just straighten up, if people would do this, if people would do that. Well, dude, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. People will disappoint you no matter what. But what are you going to believe about what he said? Did you hear me? Huh? You know, people in our, our congregation over the last 40 years, they come, they go. You know, and I remember T.D. Jake said, you know, people are going to, you know, your, your responsibility is to drive the bus. Okay. Well, if my wife and I wanted to, we could get totally jacked, you know, in our mind and everything about people coming in, or going mainly, you know, you pour your life into them and then all of a sudden, dude, their toasts are gone. They're offended about God only knows what. Why? Because they're human beings. You, you with me? They, they don't stay put, you know? I mean, we'd like to tack them to the wall, but I haven't found any place in the Bible where it says you could do that. But if, if we wanted to, we could, you know, we could get upset, overwrought, anxious, concerned, all of these different kinds of things, and, and probably wouldn't even be in the ministry anymore. It's like, dude, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going to go do something else. No, we did sign up for this, and it don't make any difference what it looks like. We're going that way, and we're going to obey God. Though none go with me, still I'm going to follow. Are you with me? Hallelujah, and it's service well. A lot of times we just say, well, you know, if we lose one, we're going to get seven back. Amen. 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 Why? Because the devil's a liar. He doesn't want you to keep going. He doesn't want you to keep living for God. He doesn't want you to keep moving in the direction that God has a plan for your life. When you're fighting for your family and you're fighting for your kids and you're doing what it is that the Bible tells you to do, don't you ever give up. Are you listening to me? Because the devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can, he will. I don't know why you keep praying. I don't know why you keep this. I don't know why you do that. I don't know what you're doing. I just think you ought to just cut and run. Dude, we don't cut and run. Amen. Are you, you ever watch, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, um, Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall. Open range. You know, and uh, Annette Bennings, you know, trying to get these two guys to leave and and Robert Duvall, you know, these cowboys, okay? So if you're not much of a cowboy, this isn't going to mean a whole lot to you, okay? And, 
And so she says, you know, wouldn't it be better, you know, rather than you going in and, you know, making everything right and whatever, wouldn't it be better if you just take off? And Robert Duvall, he goes, you mean, you mean you want us to just tuck tail and run? We don't, we don't tuck tail and run. Well, if you're a child of God, you don't either. You're fighting for the will of God in your life. Are you listening to me? Now, if you go and watch that movie, there might be some stuff in there that you shouldn't see, okay? That's all I'm telling you right now. It's, it's the disclaimer, all right? There's a lot of shooting, man. But, I, but anyway, you know, but I, I like the spirit of that. Let's put it that way, especially when it comes to having faith in God. Your life is worth fighting for. So is your family, so is your kids, and, and whatever else is involved within your life. Your, your peace, and under, it's, it's all worth it. And his word is true. And you may be in a battle, I mean, hell might be breaking loose on every side, and you're wondering how in the world is this gonna work, and you don't know, and you don't necessarily need to know. But he will guide you. He will lead you. He will show you. He will direct you. And he will tell you what it is that you need to do. Because that's who God is. Amen. Are you with me? You know, I told the story when he, when he I mean, we're in desperate need. He says, you sell the siding. And it went, it went past me. I missed it. You know, and, and the reason I did is because I said, I can't do that. Why? Because I'd never done it before. So it, was, it wasn't even on my radar. Are you with me? And so we suffered because of it. Man, I wish I'd have listened. How many of you have ever wished you would have listened? <laughs> we don't even want to get started on that. But that's all, that's all part of it. It's part of our relationship with him. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't say, you knothead, what's the matter with you? He didn't, he didn't ever do that. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. But yet the devil will tell you, well, you really blew it that time. That's it. I mean, God's done with you. You know, forget you. You're, I mean, history, toast. Give it up. You might as well go right off into the sunset, you know. No, we're not doing that. We're staying put. Why? Because we believe God. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So anyway, wow. Is it already 8 o'clock? Doggone it. I was trying to get done with this tonight. I didn't even get, I'm still passing in review in case you're wondering. <laughs> Dang it. Hallelujah. Um, wow. I'm going to say this again. I said it last week. But invest yourself in the word. You know what I mean by that? Brother Hagin tells a story, and I'll close with this because we're out of time. Brother Hagin talks about, Brother Hagin is my spiritual father. He's the one that started Ramo Bible Training Center back in 1975. I was a graduate in 78. But he talked about, well, for, um, I don't know, at least 13 years. He pastored for a while, and then he went out on what we call field ministry, traveling. He went to churches and different things like this, and he would never take a meeting for less than three weeks. And he would teach morning and night for three weeks. Dude, you couldn't get people to come for three weeks today if your life depended on it. But my point is, and not to you know, bring condemnation about all of that because that's not the issue, but my point is, is that he would talk about getting people filled with the Holy Ghost and healed. And he said, he said when he'd go to a church, he, he would stay for at least three weeks. He, he stayed in some churches up to as much as nine weeks preaching morning and night. And he said, in talking about getting people healed and filled with the Holy Ghost, he said every time he left the church, he said a lot of times he'd come to the church, 50% of the people weren't filled with the Holy Ghost, you know? But by the time he left that church, every person in that church would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And 99% of them would be healed. And he said, he said uh, you know, people say, well, how, how'd you do that? And he says, simplest thing in the world. 
And he would just teach the word of God in these particular areas. Because again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. It's the revelation of the word of God that brings about the change in our lives, not some mental kind of thing. You know, we think that somebody's going to come up with the magic wand that's going to change everything, aha kind of thing, you know, whatever. No, it's, it's in here. It's the revelation of his word on the inside of you that brings victory. So anyway, he would say, you know, I just teach him the word of God, you know, and he said, I couldn't do it in a week. He says one week, it wouldn't be enough. But, you know, if, if they would keep coming, he said, every one of them get filled with the Holy Ghost and every one of them get healed. But it, and, and my reason for using that, you know, when it comes to your life and mine, you guys, I mean, if we've got an area in our life that we need to be addressing, it might be, you know, uh, the will of God for your life, or it might be, you know, some area, you know, that you're dealing with. Dude, you got to get into the word of God and you got to dig for buried treasure and allow the Holy Spirit to take that word and make it alive on the inside of you. And not only that, but what ends up happening is, is that your focus and what you're paying attention to becomes what it is he has said and not all this stuff. You know, he makes me so mad. She makes me so mad. Well, if we'll just get into the word of God and learn how it is that we're supposed to live. Come on now. Am I in the right house? You know, then things can change. You know, when Jonah and I first married, um, uh, any of you discover that when you got first married, you learned a lot of things about your spouse that you didn't know before? Huh? Now, we'd been together for four years, and we knew each other pretty good. Huh? And so we, we had that advantage before we were actually married. But even at that, when you start spending the rest of your life with someone, you've got stuff. Okay? And if you don't, if you're sitting there going, no, no, man, life was just perfect, you're a liar. Okay, and we're going to pray for liars. Hallelujah. No, you know, because you, you, and I'll tell you another thing. A lot of people, they're married in later in life now. So they form all these, you know, habits, behaviors, the way they, you know, roll and different things like that. And they get married. They go, what? You know, and, and I totally get it. Why? Because all of a sudden now you're having to share, you know, or however you want to define it. Or you have to be amicable. I don't know, you know, I mean, stuff changes. Look at you. You guys, you got a really good look on your face tonight. Hallelujah. But, you know, we just didn't, you know, say, well, I ain't going to put up with that or anything like that. No, we changed. We, we repented. I did a lot of repenting, okay? I, I got the I'm sorry down, okay? And, and that's not a bad thing. You with me? You know, the unfortunate thing about this, you guys, we don't have an immortal body, and we are flawed. And so that's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Are you with me? And the way you do that is you, buy, you love one another, forbearing, putting up with one another in love. And you say, well, you know what? This person is, is uh, beyond that. Jesus didn't think so. Thanks for your enthusiasm. <laughs> he didn't think so. He went to a cross and died for them so that they wouldn't have to perish. Hallelujah. You ever watch that movie, Liar, Liar? <laughs> you know, with uh, Jim Carrey. And, and what's her name? Huh? It was, uh, Huh? Come on, you guys know this. What's her name? Um, Jennifer Aniston. What, wasn't that Liar Liar? No, that was Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, Bruce Almighty. You know, and he wants to be God. You know, Morgan Freeman is God in this story, you know, and, and so Bruce, he wants to, you know, change everything so that his life can be whatever, whatever. Now, again, listen, do not go watch this movie because there's probably something there that's not quite right. Matter of fact, I know there is. So anyway, but here's the thing, you know, um, you see that he actually sees because, you know, quote unquote, God reveals or shows him Jennifer praying for him. 
And it brings him to a place of repentance. I mean, essentially within the storyline of this thing and everything changed. He finally gives up, surrenders, you know, all these different kinds of things and things turn around. You know, it'd be good if some of us would surrender once in a while. I mean, really surrender. And, um, but enough about all that. It's, it's, where, uh, it's where freedom is. It's where liberty is. It's where joy is. It's where happiness is. Amen. Always remember this. We're all on the same team. Are you with me? And we need one another. You guys, we need you. You need us. You know, we need one another. And so we just have to ask ourselves, what would love do? when it comes to some of these situations that we have our, you know, we find ourselves. And I'm not saying that, that love means that we condone things. I, I, don't, I don't mean that love enables people um, or, or any of those kinds of things, but there's a biblical approach to our relationships with, with, with other people. And it's the best way. And it wins. Amen? Put down your rocks and, and just say, God, help me. You know, because we all need it. Can you say amen? All right, enough about all this. Let's stand, everybody. Praise the Lord. It's 10 after. There's probably some nursery workers and church workers who would like for you to come and get your blessings. Praise God. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Father, you know this went in a lot of different directions tonight, but um, my intent, Lord, was to help us understand what real faith is as it applies to our personal lives. And Father, I I pray for every person here tonight. I know that each and every one of us have our own set of circumstances, but but I also know, Father, that you stand ready and willing uh, to help. And so I I thank you, Father, for speaking to people, even not even what I said, but what you said to them through what I said. And Lord, I ask you to help them to apply what it is that went off on the inside of them in their hearts. Maybe it does mean that they have to surrender to you or maybe it does mean they have to repent and say God you got to help me because I know that you want to Lord so if they'll open the door of their heart and let you come in life can be different and father for those that are in financial needs father this inflation thing has tore people's budgets up and messed everything up for them father and just brought hardship and difficulty to so many. And God, I ask you to, first of all, comfort them and allow confidence to rise within their heart. And at the same time, Father, I just want to thank you for whispering on the inside of them the things that they can and need to do. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving them the promotions that they need or the changes that need to take place, the increases, Father, that need to come. I thank you, Lord, for blessing them, Father, with your benevolence and your grace and your help. I thank you for doing that, Lord. Thank you for showing them in the weeks, months, and even you know, years to come, Father God, different things that you want them to do. Let them trust you, Father as you whisper these things to their heart, may they just say yes and start taking steps in that direction to improve themselves, Father, to be the one that is supervising instead of the one being supervised. It may as well be them, Father, that has that increase in their life. And so, Father, help them to have courage. Help them, Father God, to have confidence Help them, Father God, to be diligent in their work, that the promotion, Father, can be theirs and not someone else's. I thank you, Lord, because they're your child. We are the children of God. And God, it's your intent to bless in a powerful and a mighty way. So I just want to thank you, Lord, for adding and multiplying to those that are here tonight that find themselves in that particular need. And Lord, finally, for those that Maybe they've got an infirmity or some kind of a health condition, Father, that's been bothering them, plaguing them. Um, Lord, I ask you, Father, to help them as they look to your promises, Father, to bring revelation to their heart 
so that they can come to know the reality that by the stripes of Jesus, they were healed. That you took their infirmities and you bore their sickness and disease on a cross called Calvary. And I thank you, Lord, for helping them to know and understand how to appropriate that health and well-being within their lives. And I just thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every person's life, everyone watching online. I thank you, Lord God, for leading us and guiding us in the way that you would have us to go. Father, as we pray, we ask you to guide us in our giving this evening. We thank you for the privilege to honor you with our gifts, our offerings, our tithes. And Father God, I know that when we do it, that your blessing will rest upon it. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated.